Today's anecdotal experience is sponsored by Groupon. You don't necessarily need to have a group to buy a Groupon. I bought a $150 spa experience for 60 bucks, and went all by myself. All alone. No companionship. No one to share the experience with. At the end it was like it never happened. Another Monday. Another week. Another dollar. Man, I've made a ton of money on this podcast. It's unbelievable. I never thought... I was just doing this for fun, but now it's like my livelihood. Anyway, today's guest is Ryan Rosenau, another whiskey or vodka neat guy. There aren't a lot of us. Dude brought over straight vodka, and I pulled vodka out of my freezer. We're a rare breed. We're the best. We're good people. Today's episode's about startup culture. You ever been at a startup? You ever seen a bunch of people on MacBooks sitting in beanbags making money? It's weird. They tell you you're part of the family and uh, we need you and we love you and we miss you and we kiss you. It's weird. Your boss telling you he's your daddy. That didn't happen. You know what? I think you're going to like this. Let's do this with my buddy Ryan Rose now. So many people, they'll do like sketches or something like that, or they'll start doing a podcast, mm-hmm. and they'll be like, oh, I'll just use one of those omnidirectional mics, because yeah. it doesn't matter. It's all about the content itself. And I'm mm-hmm. like, it's not. It is to a point, but it's mostly not. Yeah. Well, I mean, they could just look at the fact that they have 10 subscribers. I feel like yes. it's, it's like, maybe it has something to do with the mic. Right. <laughs> That's And it's, dude, it's hard to know, especially... Mm. It's, I don't know, the stuff you do, it's hard to know whether it's good or not. I think for you, like, I don't know, because I, I think if you get enough people that aren't your friends supporting you, mm-hmm. that's when you know it's good. Yeah. That's a really good sign. Do you know what I mean? hmm Yeah. Like, I feel like your stuff's good enough where people will, like, I remember I asked people for those future science uh, oh, yeah. posters. I was like who does these like who who makes these and that's the sort of thing where you know you're good when someone sees it and that's good to hear yeah no because i did i was like who does that and that's when i added you on facebook because i was like oh okay yeah because i was thinking about getting some uh getting some stuff done but cool yeah yeah but uh that's what i tell people i'm like just like when people are about to like release something Mm -hmm. they're like oh it's done and they'll like if they if they show me it and they're like, I'm about to release it and I'm about to put it out. What do you think? I'll tell them. I'm like, sit on it. Yeah. It's not done. But they don't want to hear that, you know? No, nobody really wants that kind of feedback, I feel like. I don't ask for feedback. Mm-hmm. Really. Because I feel like I'll ask for feedback if I'm not done. Mm-hmm. If I feel like there's, and I'll ask specifically like. Well, yeah, that's when there's a, a point to the feedback. Exactly. When it's done, it's like too late yep yeah Yeah, if you if uh, if it's something i don't know when you do stuff kind of like what we do if it's music or it's like real you know if it's real intense art Mm -hmm. it gets to a point where you're like i can't get back in there yeah it's bounced you know what i mean it's like is it done i can't go fix details now yeah 
So I'll show people and I'll be like, here it is. Don't give me feedback. Yeah. There's always somebody that has some completely unsolicited feedback anyway. Yeah. Like, hey, you know what you should have done? And you're like, thanks. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah, I know. I, and people, I don't know. And a lot of times it's bad advice. Yeah. Just like, cool. Thanks. You yeah. Know? I think it's, people feel like it gives them a way to participate in something. Like they're a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like they see somebody doing something and it looks like fun to create something. So the only way that they can get in on that is to come in and give completely unsolicited pointers right. on how it could have been different. Yeah. It's like people will be like, yeah, I helped him out with that. He yeah. was going to do this thing. And I was like, yeah, no, nah, you can't do that. I did some consulting. Yeah. Yeah. I worked on that project a little bit. <laughs> it's like, that's my project. Yeah. <laughs> I had a, I had a pretty big role. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I I don't. I feel. I mean, now though, nobody's nobody's given me tips. Now yeah. I feel like <clears throat> the people I've surrounded myself with are not. You know, they know, and I'll ask people, and I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, especially with this, you know, kind of because I want it to be better. And there are times when I'm like, I'll have to be ask someone like, what. You didn't like that one? Why? You know? And a lot mm-hmm. of times it's, like, personal, but sometimes I'm like, no, it was just pretty objectively something was wrong, you know? Yeah. But execution stuff, you know? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Do do you want to talk about your arm? Sure. Because there were three things you said. Yeah, what did I say? I you... said the startup I worked for, my arm, and my family. Was that it? My extended yeah, family? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Are you cool with talking about your extended family? I'm cool with any of them. Really? Yeah. The, the startup is the only one that I'd want to be careful with because yeah. I just need to need to monitor myself with what I say about specific people who work there. I don't want to accidentally like shit on somebody. Right. Um, but they still work there? Oh, yeah. That's still... It's not a startup anymore. Now it's, a, it's on its way as an actual company, but it's oh. still a thing. Okay. Was yeah. it successful it depends on what was it it was uh it was an advertising company they make explainer videos okay uh it's called epiphio yeah i know people that work there yeah yeah it's uh yeah i mean they're making money so i guess they're successful by that metric yeah but um what are you are you i mean are you down to talk about it sure because you said the name of it I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think about that. I should have thought about I can, that. Before. I can bleep the word out. I think it's okay. Like, I'm, I don't have anything too too damning to say about it. Yeah. Um, Did you say it was a, it was Christian? They're not officially Christian, but all the partners are Christian, and pretty much their entire hiring pool is from that mega church, that uh, oh, Crossroads, Crossroads Church. Yeah. Okay. So it's... It's staffed by like ninety percent Christian people, and they just pick up Christian clients and stuff. So yeah. it is. They just don't say that. Interesting. What's yeah. what was your experience like working there? Was it good or bad? First of all, it was a lot of both. Um, overall, I think looking at the average of like all the highs and lows, it was it was kind of a negative experience. Not as much for me as for some of the people who worked there, but it was just such a weird such a weird route that it took what like, do you mean? when it was first starting we all felt like we were coming in on the ground floor of something that was going to be huge what do you think it was going to be 
like a production house. Like, like movies and stuff? Yeah, like at least animated shorts that we'd be, you know, submitting to festivals and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I think part of the problem was that everybody felt like it was going to be big, but there was a lot of disconnect about what that looked like from person to person. Like, yeah. all the artists that they hired up front were thinking what I was thinking, that, oh, man, we're going to be like Leica or Pixar or something. We're gonna, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Um and some of the people who were from more of a managerial background, I think, were just thinking, like, we're going to end up being really profitable, you know, whatever that looks like. And um, did they sell you? Did they sell you, sell to you as a, oh, dude, you're about to be on the ground floor of the next DreamWorks or Pixar or whatever? Yeah. So what actually happened, they hired me from art school. Like, I hadn't graduated. Uh huh. Um, and the pitch that I got was like, okay, the guy who's going to be supervising you went through the program that you were in. Right. And he actually teaches some at that program, so he can just kind of take over and give you supplemental lessons and stuff here at work. Uh-huh. And it'll be, like, as good as continuing your education, but you'll be making money at the same time. Okay. And, and then there was this, like, background promise, which was, like... And we're going to be working constantly toward our goal of like making original content. That's you know, the background promise. Yeah. Okay. Oh. So wait. So it's like okay, you're going to be doing work for clients and dumb stuff, but in the background, it's like we're going to be working on like Toy Story Four. Yeah. I mean that Toy Story Four, our own w- Toy Story, w- was even further down the line than what they were talking about. They were talking about like shorts, cool stuff. Yeah. Original, but, but original yeah. content. Okay. Yeah. Like we're going to, we're going to do the client work to keep the lights on yeah. and pay the bills. And what we're funding with that is this backroom operation where we're going to be honing our skills and working on, you know, okay. Which got you excited. Yeah. All right. And I can say that uh, the first batch of creative talent that they hired there, we were all there because of that. Like, that's what we wanted to be doing. So you guys all got together and you're like, this is pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. we would we would take time. I mean, we were working late constantly because we would all be hanging out at the studio, like, pitching ideas for stuff we could, like, short films we could start working on as, like, yeah. practice. And um, there was a, an initiative that they rolled out at one point that was like, we're actually going to one day a week, we're going to pay you to just develop ideas like in the, you're not yeah. working on client work you're just going to a room and coming up with ideas for cool stuff that you want to make yeah and um i've heard of those places yeah yeah and we were so amped but i think what ended up happening was that turned out just not to be profitable oh for people to just fuck around right. and you make their own thought. stuff you know what i I'm not a business guy. I don't know how to run a company, so it would be arrogant of me to say exactly where they went wrong. But I feel like there were some missed opportunities to take risks and actually invest in something bigger that we could have sold bigger. Yeah. There were people that just really wanted to play it safe. Like they saw our our very first project that we made before there was even a company. I wasn't wasn't involved at this point. This was back in like 2008, I think, Uh was um, Google had released Google Wave. Do you remember that? Mm-mm. I don't even remember what it was exactly. It was some kind of a mail service. Okay. And it was really confusing for people. Nobody understood what it was. They had like some long 
tutorial that they released where one of their developers was like giving a PowerPoint and trying to explain right, it to people. Right, but no one knows nobody, what the product is. Yeah. Nobody watched it, right? Yeah. So this one guy uh, who ended up being one of the founding partners of the company, he was out in Portland, and he just made a little cartoon uh, in like 90 seconds, I think it was. Maybe, yeah. maybe even as short as 30. I can't remember exactly how long it was. But he explained completely what Google Wave was. Right. And it got so many hits the next morning that Google actually contacted him directly and they like signed him up for like a video contract right then. Yeah. They're like we need you to explain our shit to people. Right. It's too confusing. So it was like, that's really a big explosive way to start. Yeah. Just like Google emailing you. Absolutely. And yeah. They brought him out to the campus and then some of his friends got involved. Um, the, the one guy that I mentioned to you who was a, a card counter. Oh um, no, I don't remember that. Oh, did I not say that? No. no. So he, this guy who did it had a childhood friend who was really a weird character. Yeah. He, um, he had worked, I think pretty much his only job up to that point was like service industry stuff. Like he'd worked as a server at Red Robin or whatever. Yeah. But from there he started a, um, card counting team that like they would go out to Vegas and hit these casinos and they organized as a team so that even if some of them were having a bad night, they could tag out and somebody else could come in. Yeah, dude, I've seen and, the movie 21. Have oh, you yeah. seen that? I have seen that. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Well, they made a documentary about this specific team, about these guys called Holy Rollers. It was, I think it was on Netflix for a minute. I'm not sure if they rotated it out, but you should check it out. Did he make money? Fuck yeah. Okay. Yeah, they made a lot of money. Yeah. Um... So this guy's on the team. He, this guy he, got brought on. He started the team. Oh, he did? Yeah. It was, this was him. He, like he, oh, he made the video, too. No, he, this is his friend. Okay, this is his friend. Oh, he got brought on the video team. Is that what you were saying? Yeah. Okay, yeah. The okay. guy who owned the card counting team got brought on to the video team. Right. Yeah, it's confusing. Um, so the two of them partnered up, and I guess the card counting guy was going to market it and try to promote right. it and get it going as a company but it was supposed to be christian uh i don't know if they ever actually said that officially i don't okay. know if that was ever the intent they yeah. they both were yeah um and his card counting team was christian which was really weird what like the heck? i know their whole idea was like f freeing up all their time to spend it being good christian people because they make all their money like in one weekend gambling oh, and that's they a, how they okay they had a weird rationale all right to justify okay it, yeah, yeah. But you really should watch that documentary all right i'll check it out yeah so the two of them kind of started it and then um they brought on a couple more of their friends there were four founding partners and they had all known each other previously yeah and two of them were out here in cincinnati and then the other two were west coast the, the first two guys, the card counter and the Google video guy, were both yeah. from West Coast. And they brought on some friends that had moved out here to Cincinnati. Um, and they initially started the company as two branches. There was a branch in Portland and a smaller branch in Cincinnati. And around the time that they started officially like building those two branches is when I got involved. Yeah. Because they were just reaching out to anyone. Because their, their project volume exploded. Like Google contacted them. <clears throat> and then they were able to sell themselves as like, yeah, we're the guys who make videos for Google. Oh, yeah. Anyone's going to be yeah, interested. So, and yeah. at the time, there, there really wasn't a lot of competition in the explainer video market. Like it was a pretty new idea. Uh -huh. um, so the first couple of years were crazy. They were making so much money. And it was all going so fast. So, I mean, I think that, that they believed all the promises they were making. Like, man, we've got so much 
yeah, more yeah, money yeah. coming. We can we can turn this into whatever we want. And right. When you got tons of clients, you can be like, yeah, this will be fine. We have yeah. so many clients and people don't want to be a part of it. They can just get lost. Totally. Yeah. And they're amassing all this talent from around. And it, I mean, I'm sure it felt to, to everybody, even at the top of the management, that yeah. this was going to be huge. Um, and this is when you got in. So yeah, you got in at the was, primo time. This, this was like going on six years ago now I first got in. How long did you work there for? Just curious. Five years. Five years. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Like five and a few months. All right. Yeah. So was it cool at first? Yeah, it was cool. I mean, there was some kind of, uh, there was a little bit of drama here and there. Right. Like the one guy, the card counting partner, didn't want to bring on too many artists because he, he thought that what was selling was the idea of communicating ideas to people more than it was the quality of that communication. So he was like, we can do this with stick figures. Like we don't need actual credentialed artists. Ah. I could just draw some shit on a napkin and it would be good enough. We're so good at communicating a message. We don't need any sort of production value. Yeah. Yeah. So he was kind of resistant to bringing some of us on, including me. Yeah. Um, And there was, I think there were factions in the leadership that were kind of divided along that line. Like some of them were like, let's just keep this to stick figures and not bring on all these art school kids. So that there was a little bit of tension from that from the beginning. Um, and I brought my own, I brought my own stress into it. Like I, I made some of the situations more stressful than they needed to be because I was like really hung up on this pretentious art student persona. Like what? Like, I thought that nobody had anything to teach me about how to do anything. Yeah. Like, I came on board and I was like, man, I'm like, I've been in art school for three years. So clearly, I'm like as credentialed as I need to be yeah. ever. And then here's these like fucking business guys telling me how to, you know, whatever. and I'd get feedback from clients and be like, Psh, what do you know? Like, I oh, really? And I had no experience in the working world at all. I right. worked at Blockbuster. So the idea of client interaction was just completely new to me you know if they had something to say i didn't understand like you actually have to take that seriously when because you're they're paying for a service and they should get what they want they're why you have a job right yeah and to me i was like well they're paying for a service and that service is for me to tell them what's better than what they think they want yeah that's there's a there's a miscommunication there it's the it's like a pizza shop that doesn't let you mess with the toppings exactly it's like just like the most pretentious pizza chef yeah i respect it though because it's like you can either it's what we're talking about so it's about idea versus execution and you're saying look you're paying for me for both and they're like no 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 we're paying you for execution yeah 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 definitely so there were times that I, I would end up getting pretty mad yeah. at people because there was also a layer of buffer between me and the client. The client would talk to a producer right. or a project manager and then they would relay the feedback to me. And then, especially in that first year or two before I really caught on to like how to be professional in that kind of workspace, like sometimes I'd be kind of shitty. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not going to do that. Like, were that would, you prima donna? I kind of was. Yeah? Yeah. Because I, I don't know. I mean, I felt better than the job. And which was, in retrospect, it was ridiculous because, like, I had no real-world experience at all. But Did I just, people always <laughs> tell you, though, that you were so good at what you do? I mean, that had kind of been my experience in school and, like, yeah. up through school because I was at the top of my class and, and stuff. Like, I'd, I had gotten all the, like, the college-level accolades. Like, I got the, the, you know, top art scholarship and I was, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I felt pretty 
cocksure going yeah. into this. And it was just such a different arena than I expected it to be. And I remember at one point I found out that one of one of my coworkers had called me a pretentious prick behind my back. Yeah. And I was like, huh, is that? And it was like, I didn't even think that I was that way. I wasn't one of those people that was like, yeah, I'm pretentious and I'm proud of it. I just right. legit didn't know that I was. I just. Yeah. Some people want to make it their identity. Yeah. But you're just like, oh, I just am. Yeah. yeah. I felt like my value was in telling everyone how to do stuff artistically. Oh. And, and what I didn't realize was that that was actually kind of a wrench in the works. You yeah. thought, oh, I know better, and that's the service I can provide. Exactly. This yeah, team. I thought that I was helping the project out. Like, yeah. And so I would hold up timelines sometimes because I'd have, like, you guys are trying to push me to finish this in a week, but I know that if I take an extra week to make it, you know, this detail better yeah. or whatever, you'll be happier in the end. And, um, yeah, I f- there weren't that many people that were telling me to my face at the time that that was, like, really a problem right but I, I was finding out after the fact like yeah these projects that you worked on people fucking hated working with you like you were so I people, can't you know I will say that's that is why art students should take business classes that's why everyone should take business classes because eventually you'll be part of a business it would have been helpful yeah. like I, I just needed something to kind of humble me and, and teach me my place okay a little bit because I mean, like I said, I felt like I had been brought on as some kind of an expert or a consultant or something like, you know. Well, did they sell the position to you as such? No, that was all me. I was just filling in blanks. I just assumed. You're just like, no, people tell me I'm good. (laughs) These people need my leadership. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, there was definitely some conflict early on that I can't blame on anybody but myself. Like, I think we just didn't really... The company and I weren't as good of a match as I initially thought. Yeah. Because I hear through whatever distorted filter I'm listening through, you're going to come on board this company and we're going to make short films and you're going to get to walk around and tell everybody how to do art. Yeah. And get to call all the shots and be the, you know, head art director of everything. And what they were actually saying was like, we just need you to do the stuff we're telling you to do. Yeah, just be another cog in the wheel. And and down the road, maybe if we put aside enough money, we'll get to do some stuff that's more, you know, yeah, creative content, like original properties and stuff. What was so, that uh, humbling moment, though? Man, I can tell you, I can tell you the most humbling moment. There were there were a few, um, but definitely the the single most humbling moment that I had was at the tail end of kind of a a depression that I was going through because I was realizing in the back of my mind that I wasn't happy there and that some people weren't happy with me being there. Okay. Um, not to make it sound too dramatic. Like I'd come in and we, you know, I'd have a fairly normal work day, but there was just this kind of undercurrent of yep. res- resentment. Um, how many years into the five year or six year? This is probably about two. Okay. Um, and I'm not ha- like that far in, I had really hoped that we'd already be working on some of the bigger projects that we talked about. Yeah. And, um, I mean, the tone was really set up front, like, this is going to be huge. Like, we had a, okay. we had a an off-site, uh, like, summit before we even had a company space. Yeah. Where we were throwing out the craziest ideas. It was basically like, we're going to all get together and brainstorm what this company is going to look like. And it was just so bad at expectation setting. Like, we all came away from that summit, like, this is this is going to be the biggest fucking company like Cincinnati's ever produced. Oh, which you bit dude. Oh man. You fell so for it. Yeah. Like one of the ideas, this is the card counting guy. His, one of his ideas was like, we can get together and marathon enough of these videos in one, like two night bender. 
Yeah. That we can actually take the rest of the year off. Like, we're going to have a headquarters in Hawaii that's literally just where we hang out. Oh, gosh, <laughs> dude. That's the... I've, I've worked for CEOs like that. Yeah. That promise the world. But in their head, they're just like, no. They, I think they buy it. Dude, he believed it, for yeah. sure. He was excited. Yeah. And, but it was infectious. Like, I, I feel so dumb looking back on it now, but I was like, fuck yeah, why not? Like, How old were you? 22. Okay, yeah. No, yeah. I was, I've been, I've been in the same position. Yeah. People, you're just like, sure, sure, man. Yeah. Sounds, yeah. That sounds totally legit. Yeah. I don't see anything wrong with that reasoning at all. I have no reason. I, I can't think of why you would lie to me to get me yeah. to work harder. Like, slave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So two years in, I'm starting to realize that none of that stuff is happening. And I'm starting to feel these tensions where mm-hmm. m- my version of doing my job well, as I saw it, wasn't working out for people that well. And, right. Um, I mean, I still had a job, like they weren't threatening me with getting fired or anything, but I had started doing a lot of day drinking, which was partially because of my unhappiness at work and partially just because of some other shit that's yeah. going on in my life. Um, and it was a really, I mean, it was like any cool startup now where they've just got like, you know, beer taps and people are just yeah. drinking there all the time. Everybody's yeah. got bottles of liquor on their desk. Uh-huh. So I came in and um, I think I had already had something to drink before I came into work that morning and... I had a bottle of, you know, the the Kraken spiced rum. Mm-hmm. I had a bottle of that on my desk. And over the course of the day, I killed most of that bottle. And I didn't have a lot on my plate that day. So I was like, okay, it was okay to kind of skate by through the day, just getting drunker and drunker and not yeah. realizing how drunk I was. But it was just like a very depressive drunk, you know? And this yeah. was, I think, yeah, this was a Friday. So I'm like going into the weekend and just, I had a bad week. And then we ended every week with a video review. We'd look at all the videos we finished for the week um, and we would critique them like give each other constructive advice on what could have been done better and that was always kind of a depressing time for me too because it was like I was really uninspired by the quality of the videos and I felt frustrated because the ones they would show of mine the ones that I had worked on I feel like any creative control had been taken from me and I don't know it was just me being a being an art school diva just like "Eh, none of this stuff is up to my standards right so I and they always would drink beer at those so I'm, I'm, I go in with just like a belly full of rum and whatever I had had in the morning and I, I'm just hitting these beers. They had like these chocolate stouts on tap there. You're drunk. I'm completely drunk, yeah. And I think, <laughs> yeah. and I don't remember very well, but I think I was a little belligerent with the review. Like I always was a little bit, like I was the one who would always say kind of shitty stuff. Like not intentionally, but I found out, again, like people weren't saying it to my face, but I found out like one of the recurring complaints people had about me was like, Ryan's a little bit harsh at the Friday, during the Friday reviews. critique, yeah. yeah. Like, and I, I, again, I was so stupid. I just thought that I was like fulfilling my role. Like, oh, people need to know that that person doesn't know how to draw, you know? Yeah. People, um, you assume people want that leadership and that's why you are hired. Right. Yeah. All right. So I'm, I'm feeling a little bit butthurt about all the things about the company I don't like and I'm drunk and I'm probably saying some shitty stuff. And yeah. at some point in the middle of this meeting, I just pass out. So, <laughs> like, actually, like, not like doze off, but like, like face down on the carpet. Like, I'm just. Were you standing? I was sitting on a couch. Okay, and well, then I might have even been sitting on the floor. It wasn't a heavy fall. I just slumped over. You know, you slumped over onto the ground. Yeah, mid meeting. Mid meeting. Okay. And it, it was the lights were off. We're looking at a screen. It's not like we were all sitting around a table talking to each other's faces. So it wasn't like a big spectacle. It wasn't a scene. Over. Okay, got it. But people left, and I think as people were leaving they noticed that one person wasn't leaving. Yeah. And then I was lying there 
And I don't know how long after the meeting left, I was still there, but there were a couple of people trying to wake me up and I threw up on the carpet while I was unconscious. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So this is like in an office, in an office. Yeah. Yeah. So the next day was Saturday and I woke up and, um, barely remembered what had happened, but I knew like, I think, I think I lost my job yesterday. Like, I think I went into work and (laughs) wait, where did you wake up? Uh, I woke up at my parents' house. Oh. Because my brother worked at the company with me. Oh, he did? Okay. Yeah, and we worked, we lived separately, but when he saw me, he was like, somebody needs to come get him out of here. Like, I'm not going to take him home to my apartment. Right. So I guess he just ended up calling my dad. Yeah. Who lives like 45 minutes north. Oh, gosh. And he came down and I don't know. I mean, this is one of those stories that I like... I'm hazy on the details, and I'm glad that I am. I don't you know. didn't need to ask anyone to fill in uh, the yeah, holes. Like, there's there's some blanks that I just really don't need filled in. I, yeah. So he took me home, and I woke up at his place and my 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 parents' place, and I got some of the details from them, and they were they're very straight laced. Like, so they were really unhappy to know. I mean, that I had drunk that much in general. Like, yeah. they, they didn't know that I had like a pretty long standing substance abuse problem. Right. Um, so. Th- that was their first introduction to it. But anyway, so I'm up there just waiting for somebody to call me and be like, hey, you can clean your desk off whenever it's convenient. So you, you really know? assume whatever I did, because you're, did, was there, when you, you did, you didn't know about the puke at this point, did you? They told me that part. Yeah. Who did, like your so, parents did? Yeah. Okay. So I'm getting all the details and um, I did end up getting a call, but it was like not... I wasn't fired. It was my supervisor was like, we just need you to come in and we're worried about you. We feel like you're going through some stuff. So I grace. Yeah. I went in and the guy, he's one of the nicest guys I've ever met. His wife had made me cookies and he had brought them in and he was like, Hey, we feel like you're really upset. And he had like another one of his friends there. And he's like, we just want to know what's going on and if we can help with anything. And he ended the meeting by saying like, of course it goes without saying, you can't do this again. Like you, you need to stop. But at this point, your job is okay. You just need to get help. You know. Okay. So that was when I realized, like, I need to get my shit straight. Like, I'm, I'm not as much the victim of what's wrong with this company as I am, like, causing my own problems for myself by being so unhappy here. And yeah. I need to decide, like, do I just leave because this is not where I should be? Or do I find a way to actually be happy here? Because okay. what, I, what I was doing was trying to influence the company to turn it into what I wanted. And I should have respected the fact that it's its own thing. And I'm mm-hmm. just here. Like, so if I can't be happy with what it is, I need to just go find a place where I can be, mm-hmm. you know? So, I, you know, I mean, given how cool they were about that, I was like, for sure, I'm just going to shut up about my complaints with the company and you know stick it out a little yeah it was like a moment where you could be like oh these people in a way it's like these people care enough to not just say you're fired because you got wasted yeah on company time and then vomited yeah like an idiot yeah it was like the biggest ass i've ever made of myself and they were actually like willing to keep me on yeah and that was with like quite a number of complaints already having been made about my attitude right you know so, yeah, that that meant a lot. And um, then you ch- you were like, okay, well now, I need to either quit or start enjoying my job. 
Yeah, so I did I did a much better job for a while after that, I think. I mean, I didn't hear any any complaints from anybody, so I, I think this is accurate. I did a much better job of being kind of a, a contributor to what was going on and actually trying to care more about what would be a helpful thing for me to do versus what I just wanted to do. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, I know Excuse what you're me. saying. Um, but in spite of that, like... There was still this slow, like, over time, like, I I could tell there wasn't a lot of runway for me to be there and be happy. Yeah. I was like, we're still not doing what I want to do. Right. Um, what was your, what's your ultimate, what, what is your dream, man? Oh, okay. So, yeah, I, it's pretty simple. Um, I think the easiest way for me to describe it is in contrast to, like, other stuff that's available to people with a creative degree. Um if you're doing advertising or explainers or stuff like, you know, most of the jobs that you can get, that's all about trying to basically force people to look at your content. Okay. It's like, I made this thing and it's a pre-roll to the YouTube video you're trying to watch. So my whole strategy is trying to figure out how I can make it compelling enough in the first 10 seconds or whatever that you keep watching it. Like I'm trying to trick you into watching it. You're doing, you're doing advertisements for 10 seconds Mm -hmm. to compel. Yeah, and it's okay. all about like forcing people to be interested in it. Okay, tricking people to be interested in it. And, yeah. And my dream is is broadly just to create content that if people are watching it, they're electing to watch it. They're voluntarily seeking it out. Like I want to be making the content that people are trying to get through the ad to get to. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. So it could be anything. Like, I don't care so much what media it is. Like, it could be video or comics or whatever. I just want to make original content that people actually seek out on their own. Interesting. No, I I know what you mean. And I think ultimately what it comes down to is it's a weird thing where it's, it's platform. So you're trying to get eyes on your content, your mm-hmm. art, if you will. Yeah. But you need to get the eyes on it. So it becomes a thing where you're some, like, I mean, I find myself, I make content, but Mm -hmm. I pay for advertising. Yeah. You know, where I'm like, all I want is to get to the point where I don't have to do advertising anymore. And people come and say, dude, those videos are funny. I want to see them. Yeah. And I'm, but I'm not going to, this is me personally. I'm not going to get to, I'm never going to put advertising on anything I do. Mm Mm-hmm. I never would want to monetize something in that way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I feel the same way. Yeah. And um, I think even with the advertising that you're doing for your content or the the promotion that I'm trying to do for some of my content, there's a difference between that and the kind of advertising that I was doing at Epiphio. Uh-huh. And that's that you're not trying to make a case for why people need it. You're just putting it in front of them. Right. And giving them the option like, hey, this this is my thing. It, you know, do you like it? It's it's art for the sake of art, not art for the sake of selling a product. Right. Yeah. Because with some of this stuff, when you're trying to get people to get, like, cloud migration software or something. Right. They don't need it, and you know they don't need it because you have to explain to them why they need it. It's like, uh, yeah. if people sincerely need something, they already know that they need it. They know that they need it, and they also don't need clever advertising to be sold it. Right. They just need to be told... Hey, you know that thing that's difficult? This will make it not difficult. Yeah. That's all. 
And it always felt kind of gross, like the whole time I was there, because w- what it was was the, the complete opposite of that. It was like, here's a thing that, uh, honestly, I don't think anybody has any use for at all. Right. But I got to try to come up with some way to explain it in a way that spins it to look like something that people do need. And I don't know. It just feels so gross. And the thing yeah. that really gets me, I really, I think some people are sincere in this. Like, this is not just bullshit coming from people, but there was a whole line of thinking at the company that was like, we are, we are fulfilling a, almost a sacred duty to, to mission statements. Yeah. Oh man. The mission statements. <laughs> All right. So many rewrites of our yeah. mission statements. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, this is our, we are, we are truth tellers, you know, we're, we're giving exposure to these people whose truths <sighs> need to be told, you know, it was all that. And I was just I'm like, getting angry. <laughs> yeah. So there was always that under the surface, like going back to the timeline of my time there, like even when I had a total added attitude correction and I was like, so much of this is on me. Like I've been totally fucking up when I've been here and wasting opportunities. Right. There was still like part of me that knew that there's just always going to be a disconnect here. Like I'm doing something that is not, fulfilling and our mission statement makes me angry so i know that it's not a good match dude i know exactly what you're saying and i've been in environments like that and it's turned me into the mercenary i am today yeah because it's it's just now i'm at the point where i'm like if you want me to do a job i'll do the job i'm not i'm not a part of your mission statement i'm not a part of your greater good I'm here because I have a work ethic and I'm going to take care of what I say I'm going to take care of, but I'm not trying to change the world. Yeah. I'm trying to make you money. That's, yeah, that completely resonates with how I came away from from that company. Because it was like, not only were they overstating their mission statement into this lofty kind of romanticized thing. Yeah. But there was also the, f- like the family, like we're, Dude. we're, you know, I'm like, I don't, oh my gosh. I don't yeah. want to be, I don't want to be that. Like they, they kept pushing integration. Like you got to integrate this workplace with your life and your life with this workplace. Dude. And it's, I was like, I would, yeah, I would kind of rather just come in and do my job and go home. <laughs> Did at any point you buy that where you're like, yeah, these people are my family. Well, at first during that first couple of years when we thought we were working toward, you know, the, the higher goals of original content and stuff like that, there yeah. actually was a really sincere sense of this familial connection um, among, right. at least among a certain portion of the company. Like it was mostly us on the design team. We got mm-hmm. along really well. Like we go hang out at bars pretty much every day after work. And, yeah. and I think it was largely because we had that extra time to just dick around and get to know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but that got chopped after a couple of years you know i think some of the some of the competitors that came onto the scene and and some of the clients dropping off and stuff like there were a lot of cuts made and it becomes business yeah real quick but there were some carryovers that made it feel a little bit grosser where it's like it became business in reality Uh but there was still this affectation of like it's not like we're still just a family having fun remember those talks earlier about the family yeah but you didn't log enough work hours this week or you know right. whatever it's like oh well that doesn't sound like something a family member would say it doesn't sure <laughs> dude like... i had i had the exact same experience and and i never bought in mm-hmm. and i know people that did yeah because you know they give them like some weird portion of equity that if you uh-huh. really break it down it gets diluted as shit yeah and then they're like yeah, we're all part of this this is 
you're a part of this, I'm a part of this, we're all family, we're all trying to make this blank dream happen. Mm -hmm. And you're like, and then you get to the point where you're like, oh, this is a manipulation tool to convince you that you're part of something bigger than yourself. Yeah. You're not. And it's tricky because, I mean, there are so many layers that that message filters down through Mm -hmm. that I think by the time it got to me, sometimes it was actually coming through some people who bought it themselves. Like, it wasn't like somebody was directly lying to my face. Right. It was like somebody had told somebody else who had bought it and told somebody else who also bought it who told me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it filters down through. So, like, by the time you hear it, there's a lot of serious conviction behind it. Like, you know. Right. But I, I really do think it originated as kind of a bullshit line. Like. Everyone does it, man. Yeah. And everyone tries to sell it to you because it's the easiest way to get someone to do I don't do any more than I'm paid for yeah and that's fine you shouldn't I don't do any less than I'm paid for out of personal integrity yeah you know don't do because I, I mean I had the same I had the same experience because I worked at a place um, that it was same sort of deal like beer and telling you you're part of the thing and hang out late on Fridays, drink all the alcohol you want, liquor cabinet, fully stocked, uh-huh. make, you know what I mean? Like <clears throat> really lose the, really create a disconnect between your uh, work life, you know? Yeah. Mix them together as much as possible. Let's all be a family. Um, and you know, and then like, I never really bought in, but I, I got fired. I didn't get fired, but I got laid off. Yeah. And I remember, like, the guy I was working like, the guy, the HR guy, him and, like, my, you know, CTO or whatever are, like, firing me. And the dude's, like, crying. And I'm like, dude, you don't have to do this. Yeah. I know this isn't, you're not my dad. This isn't a family. We're not making enough money to pay me. And that's fine. Just give me my severance. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. Goodbye. It's it's really, you don't have to cry like you got to cry for everyone else that bought the dream. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, that's what happens. Like, things get really messy if you start selling a business culture as a family culture. Yeah. Then when it comes time to let people go, the people getting let go are hurt more than they would be if they yep. had known the whole time. Like, look, you're just here as long as you make sense on the books. Right. As soon as you stop making sense on the books, you're going to have to go. Mm-hmm. That's not how a family works. Nope. So if people are there thinking they're part of a family, they're totally not, they're not going to see that coming. Right. And when it happens, they're really hurt. And that's definitely one of the things I saw happen. Like a lot of my friends who worked there with me ended up getting let go. And there was always a lot of just bad feelings afterwards. Like, cause mm-hmm. like, it feels like a betrayal. Like it, it's presented up front as such a safe space and then it's just like, oh, by the way, you're, you got to leave. Like, yeah, by the way, you're out of the family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're gone. Yeah. Don't come by. Yeah. You're yeah. setting. It's all. What, do you think it's manipulation tools that, that higher ups use to get you to stick around and kind of get you to work more than you uh, are paid for? I mean, I'm. Also, this is from a company that did forgive you for being a drunk idiot. I know. See, that's what I was going to say. I'm cynical enough that I, I'm inclined to think so. Yeah. But I got a lot of forgiveness from these people. Right. Know, a lot of, so, I don't know. But 
Yeah, I don't know. That's part of the reason it was such a weird experience for me and a lot of the other people is that it was just confusing. Yeah. Like it was so, you never knew exactly where you stood because it was like, I think you guys are really cool. But then at the same time, there's these things happening that are like, but you kind of seem like a corporate dickhead. I don't know. It's like, you're, you're never you're never comfortable being fully mad at what happens because it's like, I can't be mad after what happened. I don't know. It's very confusing, really emotionally confusing. Oh, dude. Yeah, because they're like, oh, man, they forgive like a family. Yeah. But at the same time, there are very evident clues that it is indeed a business. Yeah. Trying to make some black, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, and there was a lot of, a lot of like bad compensation at the beginning too. I mean, it's still, I, I don't know, maybe things have changed, but I know they brought, they brought some people on at salaries that were like criminal, like yeah, like Burger King <laughs> salaries for yeah. like pretty specialized work. And um, I don't know. I just that's that's one of the things in the like corporate dickhead column, right? There there are so many points in both columns. I, I still don't know. I think to the re- for the rest of my life, I'll never look back on it and have a clear idea in my head of how to characterize that company it was just confusing like and every former employee of that company that i talked to feels exactly the same way as me like Mm -hmm. it's such a weird thing to look back on like what where did we stand with them like the whole time we were there what was our deal with them like right it's really strange you gotta think about them though they're people too yeah they're just as because like the upper management still just as emotional as you guys it's true still don't know what to do really you know so it's it's uh i think it's on whoever brought emotions into it yeah it's their responsibility that's a really good point yeah i think if i had a a summary of everything that was wrong with it kind of the whole picture of the thing is they went into it without without the right kind of experience to really feel like they could build a company in this arena. There was only one guy in the whole team that had any experience in, in video production at all. Yeah. And it was that first guy who made the video for Google. And he actually left. He got, he, he left like a couple of years in. Okay. Because he was fed up with some of the stuff that was going on there. So who, who was left running the company was just people who had like some business background, nothing in running a studio or, you know, a creative agency or anything like that. Right. Um, and they were in over their heads. Like, I think it was just, I think it all came down to just not being qualified. Okay. Yeah. Not being qualified in the department of how this sort of business is run. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's crazy. And I think now I'm at the point in my life where I work for places, I, I want to work for places where they say you got to be in the office for 40 hours a week. You got to wear a tie. You can't bring your fucking dog into the office. Mm-hmm. You can't shoot a Nerf gun in the office. There's no kegerator. And you can leave at five. That's where I'm like, I like companies that are that say, this is your job. Come in, do a damn good job. Do what you said you'd do. Do it well. Then leave and go home to your families. It's got to be all one or all the other. Because, 
in the middle is where it gets awkward. Right now, since I left, I've been working just freelance. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm kind of like at the opposite end of the spectrum where it's like, I don't really have any rules. I can work whatever hours I want. Yeah. And that's, I feel like there's an equal amount of peace to be had from that because it's like, again, I know exactly where I stand. Um, and, and I would feel the same way about the kind of job you have. It's like, this is a place of business, be professional, follow yep. the rules, or you work for yourself, so there are no rules. But like in the middle where it's like, there are some rules, you don't right. exactly know which ones you can follow, which ones you can't. That's where it, it turns into a big mind fuck. Dude, people need boundaries. Definitely. Everyone needs boundaries. Yeah. They need to, because does Epiphio have um, limited vacation time, or deserve vacation time? There's, there's no stated vacation policy. Dude, that is the biggest problem I have. Because for me, I just want to know, tell me how many vacation days I have. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is, it was... It, people kind of call their bluff sometimes. Like, there were some people who would just take Dude. multiple vacations in a year, and everybody would get pissed at them. And it's like, you can't get pissed at somebody for taking vacations mm-hmm. when you haven't stated how many vacations they can take. Like... yeah. You're, you're the one who said it. <laughs> they can take as many as they want. Yeah. I think that's a big part of the problem is that it's, it's all put on you to interpret these like hazy, like reading between the lines yeah. things and they're disappointed in you if you don't do it right. Right. I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, when I, I like rules, man. And the other aspect of the whole thing was the, the fact that it was like low key Christian. Yeah really uncomfortable for people because they ended up hiring people who weren't and some people who have like lifestyles that are conventionally frowned on by you know the church do drugs yeah (laughs) are gay yeah whatever yeah um and it was just always so uncomfortable for them because the clients that they would always get were like i mean not only Christian, but often these like right wing conservative think tanks that are like very fundamentalist Christian. Right. Like we had a video that was for some right wing think tank all about how it's not fair to people paying for health care that women's reproductive health is included in health care. Right. And I was like, are you fucking serious that you want me to work on a video? That's like, that's the- right. Um, so there was a lot of weird, like ethical conflict there too. Where it was oh, like, we're, yeah, we're, making essentially propaganda for stuff that a a small minority of the company really doesn't believe in. And it was always, I don't know. I think one of the weird things for me was that for some reason, everybody assumed that I was on their side. Like people would come up to me and just say like super Christian-y stuff. Like, so like how did the Holy Spirit move in your life this week or whatever? And I'd be like, I I didn't notice. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, man. So weird. Don't. Yeah. I feel, dude, you're right, man. It's blurry. It's, that is, because I can't understand from the standpoint of, because I have worked, I worked at a place where, where, um, like, Monsanto was a client. Mm. And I was like, and everyone like it was bizarre because everyone like spoke ill of Monsanto. We all knew, yeah, but we also knew their contract was the biggest contract. Man, we all worked there though, you know. But that, but that's another thing where it's to me, I'm not a guy that's gonna uh, like I worry about my own. Maybe that's bad on me, 
but I wasn't speaking ill of Monsanto because for all I knew, I was like, dude, at the end of the day, I'm still going to work here. I'm making a decision to still receive part of my paycheck from Monsanto. Mm -hmm. I know that. So I'm not going to speak ill of Monsanto because we're all just trying to provide for our own. But I, it's it's, yeah, same it's almost sort of like thing. trying to let yourself off the hook a little bit. I feel like it's such a cheap way to to say shitty stuff about a client that you're still agreeing to work for. Yeah, man. It's like you don't get that. You don't. Like you're gonna you're gonna try to make yourself feel better by like saying some underhanded stuff. About, like either don't work for them or yeah, either yeah. refuse to accept them as a client or just learn to say this is business and thanks Monsanto for providing me with enough money to pay rent. And here's another thing that was really cool about the way they ran the company. Uh, if you didn't like a client, you could elect to just not be on the project. That's pretty cool. Which I really appreciated. Like I, I took advantage of that a lot, especially toward the end. And that's part of the reason I decided to leave. Cause I was like, there are so many projects that I've just bowed out of mm -hmm. recently. Like I clearly shouldn't be working here. Right. Like this is this is a company where like 50% of the projects I was booked for, I conscientiously objected <laughs> to working for them. So yeah. like, I just need to leave. But yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on the company because there are so many things about them that I really do appreciate. And I think like looking back on it, I'm like, it could have been so much worse than it was. Mm -hmm. But even taking that into account, it was such a weird five years that I worked for them. So many ups and downs. And they were constantly restructuring their business model in a way that kept everybody worried about their job security. Because, I mean, it was right. It was a brand new company. They didn't know what they were doing. And they didn't have experience in the field. Um, so the whole departments would get dissolved and absorbed into other places. And yeah. every time that happens, it's like maybe some people will get reshuffled to like a new spot, but probably not. You know, you're probably going to get let go. Yeah. And there were just some like emotional things that happened that weren't the company's fault. Like one of my good friends that he was one of the guys that I really enjoyed working with there at the beginning, he got let go and we all felt really bad about that. Cause he was like a lot of fun to have around the office and stuff. And then right after he got let go, he was diagnosed with cancer. Oh, so it's like absolutely ridiculous to, to blame that on the company. Like clearly they had no role in that, but somehow right. irrationally you can't help like put that on them a little bit. Like now he like has no job to pay for his like, Right, you know. no insurance either. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. that's. I mean, honestly, it's like why you don't, that's, I don't know, man, that's why you don't make, that's where you go wrong. It's just understand it's money. Come When I would come into place, they're like, look, hey, man, thanks for being here. Do this stuff. We'll give you the money. Uh, if you don't do it, we'll, like, fire you or whatever. Um, here, get, get started. Yeah. Or you'll get fired if you don't get started. That's all yeah. I want to know. And see, I think that it's really good. It's healthy and it's good for your mind and, and your spirit or whatever to have things that you that you put on a loftier pedestal, like stuff that you're really working toward, like life yeah, goal man. stuff. Yeah. But keep that separate from the money. like For sure. Because that's when things get diluted and, and confusing and difficult. Yeah. So you can't mix them. And that's what I think, that's the manipulation that people, CEOs who, who run these companies, they try to pull that on you where they they know that having things, having big life goals is really motivating. So right. they try to like insert their business goals into that slot oh, of man. your brain. They're like, our, yeah. our company doing well, that's your life goal. Like that's what you should work for. It's inspirational. Dude, that's why when companies, when companies like if they offer me equity, 
I'm like, and they're like, well, yeah, okay, well, your salary will be down here, but equity will be, we'll give you blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I don't, listen, listen, don't care. Yeah. You, this is, I've been down this road before. I don't care. I'm never going to vest. So just, this is what I want. Give me whatever equity you want. I'll never vest. I don't care. Yeah. That's not, I don't say that because then they'll be like, well, you don't go, you know, mm-hmm. but that's how I feel. I'm a mercenary, man. I'm trying to do, I got my own shit. I got my own life. This is just how I pay my bills and I'm good at what I do and I take it seriously. I think the only thing that separates you saying that from a lot of other people is just the fact that you're saying it. Like it's not, yeah. it's not a different mentality than most people have. Mm-hmm. Like even a lot of the people who go along with the, uh, you know, mission statements and right. the family community. Like, they're they're there for the money. Like, for sure. They just, they're playing the game. Like, everybody's, I mean, that's another thing about the that, that kind of culture where it's made out to be something bigger and more fundamental to your humanity than yeah. just a business is that it makes everybody scared. Like, what if we don't feel that way? Right. Like, do we have to act like we bought into this propaganda? Like, yeah. or, is our job going to be in jeopardy if we don't get really excited for these, like, yeah ice cream socials and shit (laughs) yeah yeah i think i don't know and obviously for me i don't get excited about an ice cream social in if they say dude you're fired because you don't have passion i'll just say cool and i'll move on but people with families and stuff right it's like dude for them they're like oh my gosh i love this ice cream social they gotta be (laughs) phony dude so the fact that you don't have any dependents like does that really completely take away all stress of losing a job for you? Um, because I don't have any dependents, but I still don't like being broke. You know, I think maybe I'm wrong, but I think at this point in my life, um, in the field I'm in, I have the luxury of knowing if I do get fired, I can be all right. Mm. You know, so I can have that, and I can also say on my own podcast this sentiment. And even if someone I work with listens, that's how I feel. And yeah. if someone higher up listens to it, then I can say, well, I don't care. That's me. And I'm good at what I do. You can fire me. That's on you. You're going to, yeah. you're, it's not going to be good for you because I'm, you know, ask my direct superior, mm-hmm. you know? So whatever. Yeah. I don't care. I don't want to live that way. That's cool. Yeah. If I get fired next week, that I'll probably. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I wouldn't even be bummed, dude. I live pretty meagerly just for that reason of like I'm not trying to be phony, you yeah. know. But I do have integrity and I work hard, so that's cool. That's a good way to be. Yeah, man. Uh, dude, I kind of wanted to ask you how you lost your arm, though. Man, that's such a boring story. Well, we're almost well, done anyway. First so. of all, you'll notice I'm not I'm not wearing a robot hand right now. Do this you is, usually wear a robot hand? Yeah, I usually have a sweet robot hand. I was excited to show it off to you. Why are you not wearing your robot hand? Because on Monday, it just stopped working. How long have you had the robot hand? I've had it for three years. Okay. About once a year, I just have to leave it like in the shop, and they have to like rebuild all the circuits and stuff. Um, Do you have artificial... Uh, you can see your fingers? Yeah, it's like a whole hand. It's, it's pretty cool. Oh. Yeah, this is this is like an old 1940s World War II vet. It's a Captain Hook hand. Yeah, it's a Captain Hook hand. <laughs> You're a pirate. <laughs> this is not what I normally have. I actually get really bummed out when I 
when I don't have the robot hand after oh, three, after three years of having it, it's like losing a limb, you know, when I don't have it. Yeah. So it's a weird timing that I came in to record on like the one time in a year that I don't have it. Hopefully I'll get it back early next week. But anyway, uh, I didn't lose, I didn't lose my hand. I was just born without it. You were born without a hand. Yeah. Uh, there's different theories as to how that happened. Um, during whichever trimester the hands and feet form, uh-huh. my mom got shingles or something and had like a few nights of really intense fever. And the prevailing theory is that that fever disrupted the development of the hand. Of one hand? Yeah. I Interesting. Know. I mean, that came from a doctor, so I don't know. I didn't question it, but that that's the theory. That's crazy. Wait, so what do you got? It, a it nub? could be complete bullshit. What'd you say? You got a nub? Yeah, I just thought, so I had, you know, the radius and the ulna are the two bones in the forearm. Sure. I had those two, and then I had, like, four tarsals, which are the little, like, pebble bones. The metatarsals, yeah, dude. No, the, the metatarsals, I didn't have any. So you've got tarsals, which are little granules in your wrist. And okay. then you've got the metatarsals, which are the ones in the palm of your hand. Got it. So I just had a few of the, the tarsals on the end of my arm. So it was pretty much just a nub, yeah. So you never known what it's like to have your right hand. Right. Okay. The robot hand three years ago was the closest I've come. What can you do with the robot hand? Everything? I mean, pretty much. It's it's a it's got some drawbacks compared to a real hand, where like the fingers move a little slower. Like they're each on their own individual motor, so they're they're only as fast as the motor can be. Right. And since I've had it, there have been like three upgrades. It's definitely faster than it was when I first got it. Um, but you also can only communicate with the hand through two input sites. So you you basically it's like talking to it in binary sort of like you can open or close or then you have to like fire the different muscle groups in different combinations to oh. get it to do different stuff besides that like rotate the thumb or whatever you gotta so, get good at it yeah so it takes a little practice to like figure out how to use it what are you but using it for everything can you write with it i could write with it yeah i mean okay. I, I mean given the choice between my left real hand and the right, right robot hand i always go with the left real hand but mm-hmm. i could you work out uh-huh were you doing like pull-ups and stuff? Yeah. Okay. If I do that, I actually usually use this hook though. Hook's better. Yeah, hooks are very, very durable. I actually use this for a lot of the like outdoor stuff I do. Like if I'm going camping or if I'm going to be like right swimming around or whatever, I use this. You just get good with it. Yeah, it's completely indestructible. Like it's a solid piece of steel. But the robot hand is good for any of like the fine motor skill stuff. Yeah. That's sweet, dude. I've seen a guy. There's a guy on the. Um, I used to watch a show called The Real World Road Rules Challenge. Yeah. Very good show on MTV. But there was a dude, he'd compete in the all, the competitions. He had a nub. Uh-huh. Um, but he'd do, like, they showed him working out, doing deadlifts and stuff. He just worked around it. Wow. And he was probably the best competitor there. He didn't use any kind of... Uh-uh. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah, man. Did it ever... Did, have you ever felt limited by it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, especially growing up, like, I was okay for, like, 90% of my daily activities, but then there would be things that I just couldn't do. Like, um, if you're trying to carry something that requires two hands or whatever, you know, I'd always have to, like, pin it against my torso with my right arm. You can't carry stuff away from your body. Right. Um, There's a surprising amount of stuff involved in cooking. And like food prep yeah. that's really hard to do one-handed um but that you know that's where the robot hand really has right. come in, it's coming useful 
Yeah, when I see it, it doesn't like. It, I mean, I it honestly, maybe I'm wrong, uh, but when I, I like, it doesn't look bad. It doesn't look like you. It would really affect your life. I mean, in some ways, like you know what I mean. If yeah, it really doesn't much. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, dude. I was hoping it got severed. I know. It's, I'm always so disappointed to tell people the real story. <laughs> if it's somebody that I know, I'm never gonna see again. I do. I do tell What's all the kinds go-to of go-to story. Usually bitten off by something. I'll just swap Ooh. out what it was that bit it off. You know, like yeah, dude. Guard dog or. Yeah, shark. Or something. Just bit it off and ate it. Just one bite, dude. That's pretty awesome. It's funny because I was like, because you sent me those three stories. Uh-huh. Uh huh. In the least interesting of all of them, because I figured it wasn't a severed hand, and mm-hmm. even if it was, it still wouldn't. I don't know. It'd be a quick story, but I was like, the most in- the most interesting ones to me were your your family and then also working for a christian startup because i've worked in startups before too yeah but yeah like i don't know people miss hands and stuff (laughs) fine what's uh what do you want to to put a bow on it what would you you don't and you don't have to answer this but like what would you tell a person where you're like hey if there's one thing you can learn from my experience in life or that story or whatever you can just say do this don't do this you know I think it would just be manage manage your expectations going into a workplace. Mm. Um, just recognize that if you're going to do a thing for money, if it's going to be your job, it's probably not going to fulfill all of your dreams. Yeah. You know, like there's a place for that, but it's probably not the job you just got hired for. So just settle down. Dude. Yeah. Don't look for life fulfillment in your job yeah which i know there are some people who would probably really strongly disagree with that but the experiences i've had have have given me that opinion dude that's what it's about it's called the anecdotal experience because it's about you've gotten this point in your life perfect what do you think now so what's your uh what's your website uh i've got a um on Instagram for the graphic novel that I'm working on. It's probably, I don't have a website for myself, but um, I'm working on a graphic novel with a friend of mine who lives out in Nevada. And um, novel's called Daydream, and the Instagram is this is Daydream, the period in between every word. We just post production photos and stuff there. And we're probably going to um, either try to crowdfund that or get a publisher to pick it up at some point in the next few months. So nice. Yeah. This dot day dot dream. This dot is dot daydream. One word. Okay. Yeah. Cool, man. You got so you got like stills and little clips and stuff. Yeah, it's kind of like a tech noir sort of setting, and we're just uploading stills as we work on concept art and production art and stuff. Sweet, dude. I'm excited to check that out. Yeah, I should. Alright. Uh awesome. Well thanks a lot, Ryan. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. Alright, say goodbye to everyone. Bye guys. Later.